Today on Dead Cells, we'll be talking about Shiki. This is an atmospheric vampire anime that I'd put somewhere between Dance in the Vampire Bund and Vampire Hunter D. The former is not exactly Dead Cells material, while the latter certainly is. Shiki appeared to be as well, though up to episode 13 I was having my doubts. The series did redeem itself, however, so I guess I just wasn't prepared for a big, long, slow story build-up to the blood-spattered payoff near the end. But first, some horror anime news. We got our first look at Corpse Party live-action film. Not much to see, other than some shots from the binding spell scene in the classroom, but there will be more to come. This is one I'm really looking forward to, more so than Parasite, because it's really such a simple premise they won't even need much CG. At this point, it's all about casting people who can look terrified and scream really well. Sentai Filmworks is re-releasing some of their vast back catalogue in Sentai Select Special Edition Blu-ray. So far, only one title has been mentioned, Appleseed, but with luck, the fun zombie series High School of the Dead will be on the list too. It's actually one I want to cover soon, as there's been a lack of blood and panic in my anime recently. Right on the heels of the Tokyo Ghoul stage adaptations visuals being released, Black Butler is being adapted into a musical, and oh my, the photo of Sebastian Michaelis proves utter perfection. He truly is one hell of a butler. I'm on the fence when it comes to covering Black Butler because I'm pretty sure I just have a crush on Sebastian, and it's not really horror at all. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I'll need to take a vote. So yeah, Shiki. The synopsis according to Funimation reads, When citizens of a secluded village begin dying off in alarming numbers, the Seoul Hospital's head doctor tries desperately to save his patients, but his efforts are in vain. Entire families are wiped out while others desert their homes. All hell breaks loose as the villagers discover their loved ones' corpses are rising from the grave with an insatiable thirst for human blood. Who is safe when the urge to kill in order to survive blurs the line between man and monster? This series premiered in July 2010 and was simulcast in Japan with English subtitles, then came out on DVD and Blu-ray in October of 2010. It was created by Studio Dome, who have no other horror titles to their name to date, but seem to specialize in harem, reverse harem, maids, and teacher drama fantasy. Like I said, I wasn't prepared for the slow start here, but now you can be prepared and know going in that while the cast of characters are interesting, there are a lot of them to get to know before anything truly horrific happens. There is definite creep factor in Sotoba Village, and the Gothic Mansion, constant personality crises, and daily deaths of villagers kept me interested at the very least. By the time I had resolved that there was little to no action in this anime, the last four episodes made up for it and then some. I had wondered by that time if I was halfway through why this made so many top 10 gory anime lists, and then the series showed me why. Oh yes, there is gore. Oh yes, there is rage and blood and death galore. It just takes a while. The Kirishiki family had just moved into a mansion on the edge of town, and it seems they are the source of the vampires, the shiki or corpse demons that are ravaging the town. The brunt of stress falls on Dr. Ozaki and his friend, the junior monk Seishin. People are dying daily from an unexplained illness. At first, it seems to be anemic in nature, and fans of House MD will appreciate the diagnostic differential that the clinic runs through several times in the first handful of episodes. In fact, Dr. Rosaki becomes more worn, ruthless, unfeeling, and short-tempered as the epidemic runs its course. Remind you of anyone? 
Aside from the Kirishiki family and everyone dying all the time, the Satoba village is full of awfully strange people. Natsuno is a young guy with the confusion of having two viable last names, as his parents, though together, never married. This causes him mostly imagined mental anguish, which he expresses by having a heart of ice and telling anyone who asks how much he hates living in Satoba. Megumi is a young fashion victim who also hates the sleepy village, but she sure does love to stalk Natsuno like the creepy stalker chick that she is. Maseo is the most hypertense character I've seen in a while, and he's so jealous of Natsuno being friends with their mutual friend Toro that it drives him to near conniptions. Junior Monk is an inch away from enlightenment or suicide at any given moment. It's okay, though, because not only do most villagers just ignore these very fucking weird people, they have daily funerals to attend, family members falling ill, and people coming back from the dead. So there's lots to do, and five times as many cast members for you to meet than that, so there's lots for you to do, too. There are many incarnations of vampire types here. They all drink blood and infect with a bite. Some have black eyes, some red eyes, some normal eyes. Some walk in light and some burn immediately. The night-prowling shiki are stalking the woods and tackling villagers one by one. It has a good representation of many levels of vampirism as an infection, from stupefied, possessed, obsessed, rampaging. You get to see all kinds of vampires, really. New vampires, old vampires, starving ones, well-fed ones. My favorite is a girl named Now, floating outside the window like they could float in Lost Boys. It does become a little more like Lost Boys when the vampires band together under loose direction from the Kirishiki family and wage war on the clinic. As the doctor and junior monk begin to reverse engineer the illness and get closer to discovering the source of the vampires, their ranks are increasing. Led by Tatsumi, who seems to be more like a werewolf, there is a split in factions, science versus nature, and dozens of personal ties being strained, and it becomes quite dramatic. Meanwhile, everyone is still dropping like flies and are either in the dark about what's really happening or in denial. Natsuno, our cold-hearted world-hater, is visited by his recently dead friend Toru, convincing him further that the villagers really are rising from their graves. It takes that to make him realize that he does have friends and maybe the village isn't so bad after all. Megumi seems to continue to stalk him at night after her death, but her weird stalker chick vampire plans are derailed soon enough. This is only one small angle of what in my opinion makes up a kind of dry drama of the series. It's all incredibly sad and centered around each character you meet inevitably dying and rising up, with the exception of very few who do remain human. The series only gets really actually good at episode 14, and that's a little bit much to ask. Of me, anyway. I don't know about you. As a good contemporary vampire story, I wish it had started with the doctor's wife becoming infected. Sure, we'd lose all the junior monks, nurses, and teenagers' backstory, but by that time it all starts to pull together, they're all very different people. If I'd been invested in them for 13 episodes, maybe I'd feel differently, but I was barely interested in them to begin with. The Doctor and Natsuno are far more fascinating than the eccentric and obviously vampiric Kirishiki family, who as villains have been kept way too vague by this point. The background of Sunako Kirishiki is a fun story. Well, fun as in sad and incredibly bleak. She would be the patient zero in this equation. A young girl at first glance, she is deathly pale, only goes out at night, and has black eyes. You don't learn too much about her until the high watermark, since we've had to get acquainted with all the humans, right? But the scenes with her are enchanting and important, just like a good vampire queen should be. She develops a rather telling and very sweet Lolita-esque relationship with the junior monk, which aside from the vampirism itself, 
is another facet of the series that I really enjoyed. Most of the vampires are known as Okiagari, and that is what Sunako Kirishiki is, an Okiagari. As a fictional vampiric monster, they are interesting but not unique. They don't eat food, but can drink liquid to blend in. They drink blood to live. To be killed, it must be with a stake through the heart. They do not seem to possess any uncommon strength, but are immortal. They can only enter home if invited, and animals react badly to them. Nice, typical vampires. Now, Jinro are a rare species of shiki, and far more interesting, as I'm sure anyone who finds werewolves or daywalkers more interesting. There are not so many of those, and you'll have to watch to see which side they align themselves with. Are they more human or monster? That's a good question for just about every person we meet in this series, actually. There's a lot about societal expectations by the end. Fear of outsiders, fear of the other as regular humans. Also, taking out revenge for petty grievances, judgmental and gossipy attitudes, that makes the town folk tip into their own monstrous nature. Now, if you want to be that guy who skips to the money shot, episode 13 and 14, where the doctor deals with his wife who has become afflicted, is a fascinating watch. For the real gore, because I am a huge fan of violence and mayhem, episode 19 onward is a literal bloodbath. Some of the style even shifts from the warm and simple animation and color palette to something more in line with Fist of the North Star or Berserk. There are two very calm flashback episodes included in the home theater release that break this pace of killing that really whips into a frenzy. And I suppose if you're really into the story from the start, these would be welcome. Now this is a series I'll certainly watch over again someday, and maybe I won't be so whiny about it the second time around. But those last scenes, those last episodes, where there's basically just wall-to-wall non-stop slaughter, totally worth it. For the most part, it isn't even a very bloody anime until the end. Even the music is very soft and mesmerizing, much like the background scenery and general tone of the series. The first season theme song is Calangula Requiem by Canon X Canon, and it's the better song of the two. The second season starts with Geke Reijin by Visual K Supergroup Bucktick. The incidental music, which becomes a little like repetitive at the end, reminded me of playing Dark Cloud, if anyone remembers playing Dark Cloud on PS2 ages ago. Since I had all kinds of time watching this, I flipped back and forth from subtitles to English dub just to see how it affected the experience. The dub, while good quality, removes all atmosphere and gentleness from each character, making it an entirely different mood. Not good when the first half really relies on the dark, enchanting atmosphere, having squealy and grating English voices blaring over the soft music and demure style is absolutely jarring. The Japanese voice actors are much better suited to this story as usual. I picked up the Aniplex Super Awesome Value Edition and it's well worth it, especially since I was very impressed with the amount of gore at the end, and absolutely will rewatch this someday now that I have a feel for the pace. Up next, in no particular order, will be Tokyo Ghoul 2, Devilman, and High School of the Dead. Be sure to check out the Big Daddy to My Little Sister Dead Air podcast with Wes Dead Air Nipe and myself on splatterpictures.net. If you have something that you want me to watch, let me know at nightface.ca or typicallydia on Twitter, Tumblr, and wherever you hang out online.